How are you? Sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm good. Fast. I'm good. I I exercise for the first time in 15 years, so I feel miserable. <laughs> that's the that's the pain, the weakness leaving the body after some time. <laughs> hey, now I remember why I stopped exercising 15 years ago. Churros, <laughs> brigadeiro, calzone, apple pie, Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of Turning Chickens and Breaking Dishes, the last episode before the holiday season. My guest today was a finalist on Season 16 on Bravo, Top Chef, and a contestant on Season 17 on Top Chef All-Stars. A first-generation Ghanaian-American born and raised in New York City, you can see him on the show Alex vs. America, where he hosts a show where chefs from all over the world try to take down the amazing Alex Guarnicelli. He has three culinary degrees, and for some reason, he's a New York Knicks believer. Eric Ajipong, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Cheers, Chef. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. And you? Um, I'm uh, continuously thinking back to my fandom and, and why I, I, I joined Allegiance, but uh, we're doing well. We're doing well so far. <laughs> good to be with you. We're, yeah, thank you. Uh, we're going to talk about that, actually. We, but first, because it's, it's always a tradition, have you ever been to Portugal? I have never been to Portugal. Can I tell you, though, my trip, well, my first trip to Portugal was actually planned for this year, and it was canceled. It was canceled. Um, but I want to go to Lesbian. I, I'd love to go. Uh, I've been to, the closest I've been to is Macau. Um, and that has uh, some sort of Portuguese, yeah. you know, some influence there, but I can get anywhere close to the actual place. That'd be amazing. You know, then I'll send you an itinerary. We'll take care of that. You know, we'll do the whole, we'll do the whole thing. So before yeah. we start talking about foods, like I mentioned at the beginning, a Knicks fan. So I just let you know something. So we're both the same age. You, sure. Your birthday's in August. My birthday's in November. But, you know, we're both 35. Yeah. Last time the Knicks won a championship was 1973. So you weren't even here. I wasn't even here. And last time you guys made the finals was 1999. Correct. So why your heart still beats for the Knicks? <laughs> it's it's a it's it's one it's a fandom that's been passed down to me from my father. Uh, when he came to America in the late 80s, he uh, he wanted to assimilate as much as possible. He came to New York City and he was a a, a taxi cab driver, a cabbie for um, uh, his entire time coming to New York. And he just pretty much enveloped and, 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 and took in everything that was New York City, including the Knicks. And I, that rubbed off on me and all the losing that happened I saw early. Uh, but there was also a lot of winning and a lot of good things and a lot of grit. And um, you mentioned that in 1999 uh, championship run. And the I love your positive that. attitude. It has been a lot of winning. I like that. I mean, there's been there's been a lot of the 90s. The 90s were good for us, uh, I think. And then, you know, uh, moral victories, I think. Uh, but for us New Yorkers, uh, they're all they're all pretty good. Um, we're doing OK. We're we're we're, we're steady. We're pacing. Um, but, you know, the middle is not where you want to be in the NBA. It's the worst place. Uh, my team is below middle right now, which we don't have to talk about. <laughs> it's OK. The, the Dallas Mavericks are not doing great. But and it's sad because you you go from New York City to the DMV area and then the Wiz are probably you know that's not even last time they won something was three hundred years ago so it's bad. I mean, yeah, the bullets they were probably the bullets. The bullets they were the bullets. <laughs> yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who's your player? Who do you like? Uh, you know my favorite player. You mentioned Dallas. I, I love Luca's game. I love uh, Giannis. I think he's uh, amazing as far as his will and grit. Uh, but all time Kobe Bryant. Uh, I love. Uh, Latrell Spurell, Baron Davis. I can keep going on. I'm oh, a wow. big Okay. Yeah, we go. Okay. The classics. Yes. Big, yeah. Big basketball nut. I'm a big basketball Okay. Fan. Perfect. Okay. Let's bring you people mentioned, back. You mentioned Portugal. We're in the same group for World Cup uh, for Ghana and uh, uh, 
I mean, I, I don't want to talk about the World Cup. <laughs> I, thank you. I don't think you want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Let's just talk about food. How about that? Yeah, Let's wait, go. Yes, Let's do that. <laughs> I always ask the, my guests, because I think a lot has our lives as a chef start when we were young, young. Who was the cook in the family? You know, good question. That was my mother. Um, well, I would say everyone. I, I come from a fortunate family who's uh, everyone's pretty much a good cook. Um, so everyone try their hand. Uh, so uncles, aunts, cousins, everybody did that. But I came in, I kind of infiltrated the kitchen through the sweet dessert side because nobody was really doing that. So I figured just to kind of like, you know, to get my my footing, so to speak. And then uh, through the years, I, I eventually started, uh, I guess, getting some more uh, rank in the kitchen and, and then um, became a little bit more confident in myself and started doing more of the savory stuff. Um, and yeah, so I come from a great family. My mother specifically is a, is a phenomenal cook um, and my sister as well. So I'm very fortunate. Why the sweets? Because traditionally in Ghana, there's not they're not so heavy on sweets. It's more savory. It's very, definitely more savory. We have a few sweet items, desserts, uh, things like that. But I think it was just the way it's, no one really was doing anything uh, sweet. I mean, we would have that's a good that's a good call. There wasn't really much sweet things um, in the household. But I think once we. Uh, again, we talked about assimilation. Once my family came to the States, uh, we started adapting to what America, you know, lifestyle was. And, and you know, some of that involved, you know, obviously the, the sweeter stuff. What's something your mom or your sister, you said, used to make or still make that you were like, that's pretty good? Hands down, till this day, uh, it, it beats any restaurant, five stars, whatever. Um, my mom makes this fried red snap brew with uh, yams and uh, all these like different pepper sauces. So we're very big on condiments. So she'll do like a tomato based sauce and then like a shrimp tomato and chili pepper sauce called shita. Uh, there's crayfish in there as well. There's just a fresh, just array of aromatics. So just ginger, onion, garlic, all of that jazz in there. And it's just delicious. Very humble, very, very humble, meek food. Um, but I absolutely love it. And I think it, it represents uh, what I find the beauty about food, really just taking something very simple and, and bringing people together to eat let me guess every time you try to make that dish it doesn't taste quite the same not quite no no, no. i mean i, I gotta I, i'm like uh if she's at a 10 i'm at an 8.5 but it like it's it's not the same it's 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 okay but you know it doesn't have mom's touch of course <laughs> see in my case it's it's uh, mine is always better not because i'm a better cook just because my mom she's a horrible cook so i always win whatever she's to make <laughs> Is a, she's hopeless absolutely hopeless she always was. how do, uh, how was that for you growing up you don't know better Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So uh, I knew that money was tight and sure. it was, you know, port you know, a lot of seafood because we have a lot of food even in Portugal. My stepdad, he was a big, he liked to cook. He liked to do his lobsters and oysters and stuff like that. I know I'm saying tight with money and I'm saying lobster, but, you know, there was a period. <laughs> things were a little okay. My mom, right. she always said I eat to get full. So, you know, she would boil chickpeas, put yogurt on top and she's like, that's it. Just eat Let's it. Go. Yeah. Let's yeah, go. Let's and yep. It's interesting because I'm, you know, I went to culinary school and I mean, I've been in DC for 11 years and my mom, she never asked me to cook for her, which is actually quite pleasant. Like all my friends and family, you never cook for me. My mom, she's like, good for you. I'm very happy working at an embassy now. Da, da, da. She yeah, never, yeah. I can see her being more interested in cooking, but it's still very limited. She, just, you know, months ago, I remember her telling me, which for her, I guess it's very exotic. She was like, I don't know if you know this, but every time you add soy sauce to a dish, that elevates the dish. I was like, wow, mom, thank you. <laughs> I didn't know She's that. Dropping the gem. You have to see when mom when mom gives you advice like that, you just have to take it in like it's the first time you heard it. Yeah, of course. I was like, yes, mom. Absolutely. Yeah. The only thing she used to make for Christmas, it was we have rice pudding in Portugal, but there's a version of rice pudding. Imagine instead of the rice, you actually put angel hair pasta. Huh. 
and you let it set just like rice pudding and she'll make that was the only thing my mom she ever made sweet she never made cookies she never made a cake in her life right. but that specific desserts nobody ate that thing only her she chewed the whole tray but every year i remember the smell of cinnamon and that kind of milk uh, and vanilla rice yep. pudding but put angel hair pasta that was her thing but she's absolutely not a good cook but she admits it she doesn't she doesn't feel bad about it she's fine self-aware yeah yeah yeah, yeah. she's self-aware absolutely <laughs> absolutely uh, what do you wish americans or people in general know more about western african foods and what flavors that they have that we cannot get it here um i would love them to know the the vastness of not only just west african food but african food and and entirely i think i say this with every interview but i i will continue to say it it's it, it it blows my mind that the second biggest continent in the entire world um is not known for the food and there's so many traces and influences uh we talk about west africa here in you know america i think about the american south uh you, you look at dishes like gumbo that have direct um uh connections with Senegal. Uh gumbo in Senegal means okra. Okra, um, yeah. It, yeah, yeah, it's just so it's an okra dish. Um then you think of shrimp and grits and that influence between uh the Native Americans and um and then the African. It's just there's so much and then you get into it, there's actually like stories that develop, you know, um when you when you get really into it, uh, South Carolina uh in the Gullah Geechee area and the rice dishes that they have. And um it's almost homage to jollof and wache and all these beautiful rice dishes that come from uh not only the Car the West Africa, but the Caribbean islands as well and in the middle um so in the middle passage as well. So there's so many beautiful stories and, and lineages and, and kind of connections that go back to West Africa that I think Americans would really uh, enjoy. Ingredients that I think are very specific, peanuts. I love strawberries. I think of um, uh, spices, clove, uh, warm spices like clove, cinnamon, nutmeg, calabash, um, uh, banana, plantain, uh, plantain. It's just there's so many yams, cassava. There's so many things that uh, you may be able to get in um, certain areas, maybe um, uh, certain air, urban areas uh, in, in different states, uh, but maybe like more rural areas it might be a little bit tougher. But uh, with a little bit of education, as you know, chef, you can always uh, substitute, you can always um, manipulate, you can always kind of maneuver and still mimic a flavor or profile um, and, and still kind of, you know, understand what the essence is all about. Do you think people are getting more adventurous? Do you think COVID helped with that? Because a lot of people stayed home and they had to cook people that didn't know how to cook or didn't like to yeah, cook. Yeah, I think so. I think um, COVID helped. I think the internet continues to help as well, where you, I feel like you can get a recipe fairly easy and, you know, you can swipe up and you don't even have to look for a recipe. The recipes are just thrown at you now. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? This is what you should cook tonight. So I think people are definitely encouraged to buy that. Um, it shows with the, the engagement on social media. It shows with the, you know, how you see it on TV and things like that. Uh, so yeah, people people are interested. People are curious. I think, but that's what America is all about. It's a melting pot too. So you'll always just naturally have people who want to know because you have neighbors, you have your doctor, you have your chef, you have you know whomever are from different places in the world, and you know um, you're almost forced to. Uh, to, to know and to, to be open. My doctor just calls me fat and she tells me I should eat like kale curries. <laughs> every time I go to, can you imagine the feeling every time you go there? She's like, you should eat more kale curries. I'm like, okay, thank you. That's not going to work. <laughs> just like, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm not joking. Every year. It's, it's due now. You will see next week. I'll be like in such a good mood. Uh, in talking about COVID times, what do you That's think it. people learn from our industry and what do you think they <laughs> learn how to appreciate if there's anything? If there's anything. Um, I it can all be taken away from you <laughs> very quickly. You know, I think with COVID, there was a few problems, I think, inherently in the restaurant industry. Um, 
the wage gap and the you know I guess the the distribution between who's getting what um the the hours the, there's so many things that uh labor wise is just always it's a laborious job so I think but it's also a job that's almost 24 7 right it's a it's a continuous there's almost a new shift coming in and it's very hard to stop so just like a mechanic you can't fix a car that's going 60 miles per hour it literally has to stop before you can assess and then you know figure out what it is that you need to fix so the fact that covid happened it kind of stopped the car so to speak right um and then we can all kind of assess restaurateurs chefs um people all within the industry like what is what are we doing right now how are we how do we better ourselves? How do we, um, I mean, we are for the community. How do we give back? And I think you saw a lot of that. So you saw a lot of restaurants turning into food banks, you know, and and, and distributing food and, and to, to first responders and people who really, really needed it um, and almost got that community base aspect back in. And you also saw the community kind of pour back in. If they can't get into the restaurant, they're buying gift cards, they're buying uh, merchandise, they're buying coffee, whatever they can. So there was a lot of love and um, an appreciation to the restaurant industry. And I think we realized that one, there's things that we should fix inherently, but then also to how important we are to the community. Um, we're here for birthdays. We're here for weddings. We're here for milestones, you know, and we weren't able to do that for a year plus. So we saw that and we felt that void. Um, so when people came back out, I think we, it was like, that's out of hell. We all yeah. just wanted to come out and celebrate. I hope I want to believe people appreciate the food in general a little bit more. I think people are more concerned where people come from um because they they had to put themselves to the test during covid times hopefully and in a not saying it's not a bad thing to say i hope it's not a bad thing to say i think there was also a lot of and you know do you know how the margins are so thin in restaurants of course, yeah. and there's a lot there's a lot of restaurants i think covid some good restaurants closed sadly but some probably not so good restaurants kind of couldn't keep going yeah. and there was a <laughs> little you know Trim the fat a little bit. I don't want to be mean about it. You shake it, the tree or, I mean, I think it, it's, it's it's actually, it's widespread through every single industry in the market. It's called, um, I mean, trim the fat, you shake the tree, or really the market is just correcting itself, essentially, right? <laughs> that um, one sounds every, better than trimming the fat. Yeah, yeah. The market yeah. kind of corrects itself. So within our industry, everything kind of comes back to homeostasis, comes back to down where it needs to be. And then you can really see where the focus should be and not necessarily the frill where you said trim the fat right yeah. um and I, that's a really good point what's it like to do the show with alex oh boy um it's it's intense i love it i absolutely love it i i did not know what i was good at until i actually did it uh i've never hosted a show before i've never you know had to do lines and walk and be personable literally i i was very comfortable and i am very still comfortable just working in the kitchen i can just mm -hmm. put my head down you know what i mean give my hours and, and and call it a day so when i first did it i didn't know and i was very green and i was very nervous but i started to notice that i started to pick up a rhythm maybe towards like the last episode we finished but then it was over the season was done and i'm like wait i i could i, I got more i'm like i'm yeah. I, I can do this, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just hit my stride. So the second season comes in and I pick up uh, and I feel a little bit better. And I'm not necessarily taking in what they want me to do, but I'm actually like inputting what I want to do. Like, this is my style now. Like, this is this is my personality. If I'm hosting, this is what I want to do. And I just became more comfortable. Alex is an amazing chef. Um, to watch her cook is absolutely just, uh, she's an iron chef. To watch her cook is um an education 
I'll say it like that way. Her uh, methodology, really to watch all the chefs cook. We have some amazing chefs, but Alex specifically, her methodology, the way she thinks, the way she kind of breaks down, breaks down what she should be doing first. Her time management is amazing. These all little things that as a line cook, you 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 learn, whether by, you know, <laughs> uh, trial by fire or you you really just excel, but you have to know about the time management, what to cook first, how to, how to um, you know, it's just all these things. And I'm preaching to the choir chef, but for the folks who may not know, um, there's just so many other layers to cooking than just putting the food together. It's really about um, creating a story, uh, putting things, uh, ingredients together so it's it's cohesive, balancing acid and flavors and all that. And then to do that on the fly, it's 25 minutes, 30 minutes. It's just very incredible to watch. Um, so just to watch all these chefs, different, I guess, calibers of, or excuse me, different concentrations and different, um, focuses, whether it be like beef or cheese or seafood experts, like these, these are amazing, um, chefs to watch. And I'm, I'm so blessed to, to do what I'm doing. Now the important question, could you be her? I think so. I think oh, so. I think, okay. yeah, 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 I think so. Okay. I think it depends though. It depends. It depends on like what the because another thing about the show is also like you you kind of have to submit yourself to the randomness of like the cloche right like anything can pop up so it really all depends um i think if we were given a very very neutral set of ingredients that we both can work on with a blind in uh judging i think i think it'd be interesting i'd, I'd, I'd be willing to take that challenge okay yeah. i like that okay <laughs> one of your degrees it's you very one of your big things about nutrition diet and you know taking care of your body and all of that what's the biggest nutrition mistakes or diet mistake people do or can do good question um i think it's for me my mistake is working out every 15 years but for other people tell us <laughs> it could you know what i was gonna say it's indulgence or really uh the lack of the moderation is king king and 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 discipline is also king um so i think it's it's not necessarily the foods but really the discipline and the lifestyle that in which that you have. So um, you can, water is so good for you, right? But if you drink enough water or if you drink too much, you can die. So that's like too much, right? Um, but, you know, you think about like some other things like bacon and uh, like, you know, some of the, the the more indulgence and fun things to eat in life, it's okay to eat that too. You know what I mean? And in, in, in moderation. So I think uh, the biggest misnomer is like, you have to have this like strict, paleo or whole 30 or you know vegetarian vegan um and if you have a lifestyle that uh, and if that excuse me if that fits your lifestyle then absolutely go for it but i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily encourage anybody to just like uh randomly go for a diet just because i think you should just think about yourself how you feel when you eat food uh the time of day that you eat all of that should play a part your exercise and the output all that should really play a part it's a holistic thing your body's holistic it's not just the food everything else matters yeah people have this for instance i think that happens a lot in vegetarian vegan world people think if you just eat that and people just eat that oh, which is fine. Problems. yeah it's healthy it's too oh it's like super healthy there's just no problems like that's not true it's just, that's no, fine no. yeah yeah that's but totally not true absolutely yeah. i know terrible <laughs> seem not terrible eaters but like um uh, people who are just not as uh, you can say terrible eaters that's okay terrible eaters. yeah terrible yeah. eaters yeah, i know yeah. terrible who are actually vegan and, and you know what i mean and was i forget that was one um the host or he was a judge on a show it was like a weight loss show and he suffered a heart attack so it's just like little things that he's like a bodybuilder and he's doing like so there's little things that like both ends of the spectrum are really bad 
So you try to find balance in between. And I think that's really the uh, the challenge everybody should have. Yeah. Okay, so rapid fire questions. They're not that yeah. rapid because they take time. But right. <laughs> first memory of taste. Wow. Um, Boom, just started right away. Fantastic question. Oh, my God. Um, I would say nutmeg, yeast, donut. Um, no, excuse me. Oh, wow. I would say <laughs> couple supple fufu soft peanut um soup wow that's a really good question thank you yeah my pleasure okay that's cool underrated ingredient underrated ingredient (laughs) salt uh yeah salt is yeah i would say salt it's not used enough or sometimes it's used too much so when i teach cooking class i tell people to season and they put literally like three grains of salt and i tell them so don't put anything just save all those three grains and then in two weeks, actually, seasons are good. <laughs> Put it back. Three grains doesn't um, do anything. I'll give you. I'll give you a, a, a sexier answer. How about that? Um, I often use um, a, a blend of ginger and garlic, like just an equal blend for two. Whether it's uh, diced up or blended up, um, it's a good base for anything. Yeah. Overrated ingredient. Hmm. Um. You can say what you're thinking. Just I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. <laughs> um, uh, Jesus Christ! What's an overrated? Do you mean to tell you mine? You didn't ask me, but I will tell you. Scallops, maybe. Scallops. Okay. Yeah. You. Now, for me, it two ways we can see this. I think in restaurants, overrated. I keep saying this all the time. There's a lot of miso using. Miso is good, but there's miso. We shall. Yeah, you're right. Correct. Everything yes. has miso. I always make a joke. Everything has miso. And yeah. for me, lobster, because it's a big, it's a big animal when it comes to the shells. And when you break everything down, like, oh, okay, that's all I got. It's all the work for no payoff. It's a, I mean, people, you know, breaking down scallops, um, lobster is not exactly the, I mean, it's cool. You can make soups, you can make stocks, whatever with the shells, but I just think it's overrated. So I, I go the same way for scallops because unless the, I, I like scallops raw preparation, but when they're seared, it's very like one note. It's it's buttery. It's delicious. But uh, it's, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. Strangest food combination. This one can be tricky. This happens a lot in the sweet and salty worlds. A strange food combination that you eat that some people might look at you and be like, come on, Eric. <laughs> you know, there's some people do their mayo and banana sandwich. Some people dip French right. fries in milk, chocolate milkshakes. Yeah, tell me yours. Uh, that's a good one. Um, I love this. This is great. I often, um, geez, what do I do? That's weird. I, I don't know. You know what I do? I take lemons and I, I put sugar on them and I bite them. That's what I do. Okay. Yeah, that's it's pretty odd. No, no sometimes that's fine. No, yeah, that's yeah? okay. Yeah. All right, why not? Why not? <laughs> best best midnight snack after you see like the Knicks losing. What do you eat afterwards? <laughs> or winning? Oh, I don't want to be mean. Or oh, winning? Oh, or winning? Oh, uh, winning. <laughs> best midnight snack is um, anything like I love fried rice. Like if I have some like rice, white rice or jasmine in the in the fridge, I can fry that up and then add whatever I got um, in there. So that's that's pretty good. Um, that cheese, man. I resent that that statement so much. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, that's <laughs> <laughs> all good. Uh, other than that, I love I love pizza. I'm a big pizza connoisseur. Cold or warm, like, doesn't matter. Preferably warm, but I can do cold. I'm not ashamed. I've, I, w- I've done I wish I could. That's one of the things <laughs> that I noticed. A couple of things I noticed when I moved to the U.S. It's a cultural thing. I I remember the first time I went out to eat. I went to Founding Farmers in D.C. 
And, oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was looking around because I like to do some people watching and I've noticed that I don't want to like generalize too much, but hey, I'll just do it. <laughs> of course. Sure. The Americans cut the chicken with their fork, which drives me crazy. Because they always do the whole movement because they were taught the, the knife is only to cut steak mostly. So right. they tried to like butcher that pork loin. They tried to butcher that chicken. And I was like, wow, that's really interesting. It just it was just yeah. it's just a cultural thing. That was the first thing. The second thing was noticing how people can just casually wake up at 9 a.m. Let me just eat my cold uh Chinese food. <laughs> that does not happen in my country. That's yeah, you're you gotta be a special kind of person for that. The cold Chinese food is uh that's daring. I wouldn't do that's, it. It's strong. What's one meal you can have for the rest of your life? Um, that meal I mentioned earlier, my mom's fried uh, snapper, the, uh, the yams and the, and the tomatoes and everything. I can do that 100% all day. The name of the podcast is Turning Chickens and Breaking Dishes. Those are actually two Portuguese phrases. Turning chickens means someone that has a lot of experience and breaking dishes means someone that has exceeded expectations. Do you think you've been turning more chickens or breaking more dishes? Uh, it's turning more chickens and hopefully breaking dishes in the future. Yeah. Um, I still got work to do. <laughs> the job's not finished. <laughs> and at the end of the podcast, I tell my guests to sell their fish in Portugal. If someone to tell us to sell your fish, that means to talk about yourself, where people can find you, where people can expect for the future. You know, 2023 is about to start. Just sell your fish. Chef, thank you so much for this opportunity. This is a really a, a lot of fun. I am uh season three. On season three of Alex versus America, that's going to be airing in the spring of next year. A lot of fun projects coming up with uh, Bowery Farming and um, Jesus Lord. There's so many good things happening. Please stay tuned. Um, very, very excited about the year ahead. And cheers, man. So many things. If you want to look for me, uh, Chef Eric Adjapong, A-D-J, E-P-O-N-G, on all social platforms. Uh, my website is uh, uh, chefadjapong.com. And yeah, thank you so much. Really no, appreciate before, it. Before before you go, two questions, important What's questions. Up? What's for dinner? Tonight. Um, tonight I'm doing lamb vindaloo. Um, and then I'll stop um, by actually... 7.30. <laughs> Please, you That's are invited. Good. Sounds good. You're invited. And then I'm actually prepping for a small uh, uh, Christmas. Um, so I'm doing uh, lobster. We mentioned lobster. I'm doing some fried chicken and then um, a shrimp escovich. Or uh, yeah, shrimp escovich. So it's good. Sounds good. Last month, least, are the Knicks making the playoffs? The Knicks are going to make the playoffs. Um, I think we're going to do well. I think we're going to surprise people. We have a lot. You know what I'm excited for? We have a lot of draft picks and <laughs> to laugh. We have a lot of draft picks. <laughs> yeah, you you do. You do. I, I will say yes. Absolutely, Eric. You yeah, we, the, future, the future is bright. The future is bright. The Hopefully future is bright. Okay. Yeah. Um, Eric, thank you. <laughs> this is a pleasure. Uh, I was. You know, every time the Knicks play, I'll think about you. Every time the Dallas play, think about me. I hope we can meet since we both live in the DMV area. And it was a pleasure. And all the best. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you, Chef. Thank you so much. Thank you, Eric, so much for coming on the podcast. Everyone, I want to appreciate all the support for this third season. It's a lot of work, as you can imagine. But I'm super happy that the podcast is back. I'm going to have a couple weeks of a break. We'll be back the second week of January. This has been a pleasure. Again, if you have any questions, please, you can reach out at info at David, D-A-V-I-D-E-G-Martins-M-A-R-T-I-N-S.com. Just follow my Instagram at David G. Martins Chef. And go to www.davidgmartins.com. Have a great holidays. Merry Christmas. And I'll see you in January. Adeus.